realized that I was a haunter <laughs> until I came to the first Midsummer screen and I saw what Cal Haunts was doing. And I looked at it and I went, oh, I want to do this. Coming up, we'll learn about how Cal Haunts created Midsummer Estates, the immersive entryway experience for this year's Hall of Shadows at Midsummer Scream. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Traction Network podcast, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and events. Links to everything we do are in the show notes. Okay, over the past two days, we've been focusing on Midsummer Scream coverage, and in my mind, Midsummer Scream stands out from other conventions because of their Hall of Shadows. This is a massive place where local haunts set up walkthrough experiences to preview the upcoming Halloween season. This year, Cal Haunts once again created the entry portal from the show floor into the Hall of Shadows. This year's entry was called Midsummer Estates and featured a small neighborhood with eight homes decorated for the community's annual Halloween festival. Today, we'll hear about the process and learn more about each of the eight homes. Here's Kate to tell us more. I am Kate, and I am part of Cal Haunts. And Kyle Haunts is a group of Halloween enthusiasts that are teaching each other how to do different kinds of builds and effects for home haunting, amateur stuff, but not to say that there isn't some kind of pro that goes on as well. So we have been asked to do the entrance, kind of create the mood for the Hall of Shadows. And this year we have a trick-or-treat neighborhood. People can go through, see the different houses. Each of the houses, was created by a different team. And so we each got to pick what we wanted to do theme-wise, as long as it was a house and it was part of a neighborhood that was celebrating Halloween. So you'll see in here that there are different houses. The teams were from all over Southern California. So that way we could incorporate as many people as possible with their visions, opposed to in the years past where we've all joined for one vision, now you're seeing a lot of people be able to display their individual talent. So some of the houses, it's just been one or two people and they've done it on their own. A lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of love, but in the end, it's been a great, cohesion. When it came together, we all looked around and said, yep, this is great. It started before COVID. This was a concept before COVID. We started building the houses and then everything got shut down. And then it was like, well, maybe this year, well, maybe this year. So now it's been two years, but timing wise from concept to finish, we, we work on it about five months. I would say somewhere in March is where we get together. We knew what the house was supposed to be built wise. Then it was like, well, what are we going to do theme-wise, and what will that take? And then that we start doing that part of it. Okay, so now Kate is going to take us through each of the eight houses by theme, so you get an idea of what was there. Starting on this side, we have Nightmare on Elm Street, and that was Jim, and he pretty much did that on his own. His, his wife, Amanda, chipped in when she had time and, and availability. But uh, yeah, he, he was pretty much on his own on that one. Next one over is a pumpkin house. That was a Team South Bay. We had the, probably the bigger team of people that were in the area that could come and work on that. Next one over is a clown house. Javier has a clown town that he's done every year. And he, he got cancer. 
two years ago, but he really, really wanted to do this. So he moved forward, he worked on it, and unfortunately passed away just in the last month. And so his wife, Marissa, as a tribute and an honor to Javier, said, yes, I want to go forward. So Cal Hans rallied and said, we will make this happen for Javier. So a little bit of his inspiration has spilled over into the playground area. Diane pretty much took you know, the reins with Preston on, on making sure the playground got done. So that's why you see a little bit of the clown theme going into that. Next one over is the haunted type shack, and that was Tim and Greg. They also are doing Bone Sculch. Diane and Preston did the house that's next to it. It was part of their Halloween haunt last year. And so Jamie converted it to the trick or treat. Christy from Ojai, she did the build and reached out actually to trick or treat studios and got them, you know, as a shot in the dark. And she was so pleased that they were willing to allow her to borrow the gremlins to flesh out. Yeah, amazing. Her son helped her with the video projection. And so they did the whole entertainment. It's really great. It's really the detail. And we decided we needed a house on the street that was, you know, the one that got egged and toilet papered and the pumpkin smashed, that that needed to happen. Next one over is Hell House. And that was Mike and he's out in Norco. So he took, took responsibility for making that one a little, a little bit scary, creepy. And then the last one over here is Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo actually and The Purge. So Jim and Kayla are the ones that are the concept and they, they followed through with all the details. Kayla's an amazing artist. And finally, I asked Kate how she became a home haunter. For me, I didn't realize that I was a haunter <laughs> until I came to the first Midsummer screen and I saw what Cal Haunts was doing. And I looked at it and I went, oh, I wanna do this, but how? And so one of the members said, you come to a meeting, we'll teach you how. And I was like, sign me up, I'm coming. And they have, they have been 100% so supportive because I, we were losing trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood. They were going to the shopping mall and, and kind of up the hill, there was a little bit more swanky stuff going on. We were just weren't getting the kids. And I thought, you know, if I make something in my front yard that the adults want to come see, they'll bring the kids with them. And I'm happy to say that last year, we've had several hundred come, which was really nice. The neighbors, enjoy it. I have very good support from my neighbors. They enjoy seeing not only the, the, the display, but especially during COVID, it brought the neighborhood together to be able to um, celebrate being a neighborhood as opposed to just, hey, you just go to the amusement park if you want the entertainment. Yeah, it does bind our neighborhood together as a community. And I actually have one neighbor, he's a gentleman, he rides his bike. And he comes by and if he sees me out in the front yard, he's like, you're doing Halloween again this year. So yeah, it makes me feel like it's appreciated. Okay, that's it for today. There is a video corresponding to this interview if you want to see each of these houses in action. You can find that on our YouTube or on our Facebook page. And we'll catch you back here on Monday. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. 
We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.